This is for you. You shoot that. Well, what do you get for the man who has everything? Consumer Recreation Services. Well, I do have golf clubs. Call that number. Why? They make your life fun. Fun? You know what that is? You've seen other people have it. It's an entertainment service. An escort service? A profound life experience. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Yam. Wait, hang on. <laughs> I'm Greg. Can I get to the games? Sweet games. Did I just get Charlie Wilson? You did. <laughs> Before we hit record, I was showing Greg recent viral hit of Charlie Wilson singing the Yam song. Mm. Greg, it's good stuff. The Yam song. <laughs> I was saying to Tr- and we were, we were discussing, Charlie Wilson wasn't big in Australia. Isn't big in Australia, right? Yeah, almost like a, the equivalent of a character actor in songs. He'll just show up and go, ooh, mm. in terms oh. of the songs we got of his. But obviously yes. there's a rich rich history there that mm, we know very little about. Okay, yeah. Well, maybe we'll dive into that one day. Maybe we'll, we'll do that. We'll Patreon episodes, we'll dive into each button. Mm. That'll be fun. The story behind the button. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Keep going. Um, but for today. Yeah. So this is this our last little No Connection film series uh, before we go into... <laughs> yeah, it is. That's crazy. It's nearly Christmas. I've been asking our friends of the show for suggestions too. Yeah, we're getting a little bit... Do you know what we're going to need to do at some point is open up our uh, spectrum of Christmas movies. Like we should be yeah. able to do like Elf and newer Christmas. Why not? It's the festive season. Let's just yeah. break the rules and spread joy and happiness. It's our rules. Yeah. We make the show. We make the show. Um, yeah. So it's so we're doing the game. We are doing the game. Bit of traction through a few friends of the show that were pretty pumped for this one. Yeah, big time. Our first Fincher as well. Our first David, our David. Our first, David Fincher. <laughs> I think it's pronounced Fincher. Isn't it? Oh, Fincher, of course. Fincher. Fincher. It's very astute on your part. Thank you, Frank. It didn't come out in 1995, as it turns out. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, I was wow. lamenting wow. to Tristan yesterday that I had to find another 95 member berry because we've done a few, like, in a row, and there's not much left. No. It was actually a relatively vanilla year, as it turns out. Good news, good news, came out in 97 apparently. It sure did. And what a year that was. And what a year that was. And uh, my illustrious colleague Tristan has found me a member berry. He said, mate, relax, it's not 95, it's 97 and I've got a member berry for you. So thank you. You don't have to give me the credit. I yeah, thought that was going to be a secret of the show. It was, but then I chose to not be a secret. There's no secrets on this show, Tristan. That's true. We're an open book. We're an open book. Okay. 1997 member berry. Here we go. All right. I'm going to I'm going to start this member berry um, with a lyrical reading. Okay. You have so many relationships in this life. 
only one or two will last. You go through all the pain and strife. Then you turn your back and they're gone. So fast. Oh yeah. And they're gone so fast. Yeah. Oh. So hold on the ones who really care. In the end, they'll be the only ones there. And when you get old and start losing your hair, can you tell me who will still care? That's Hanson. It was the year of the bop. And the mmm. Mmm bop. Wow. Do you remember how big this song was? It was huge. And um, uh, quite annoying. You couldn't, uh, you couldn't fetch the mail without hearing this, this number. <laughs> it's true. I just saw my mail. It's three little nice Christian boys making beats. Making beats. Making bops. There was the young one, the older one, and Taylor. He was the dreamboat, right? I don't know. I was watching it today and I was like, which one was the dreamboat? It was the it middle certainly one. wasn't the oldest one. Yeah, yeah. And the youngest one was like eight, so not a dreamboat. <laughs> Weirdo. No, there was one that was like, you know, in the awkward stage of puberty basically. So it was, I think they all were. Well, the, the other half were like pre. <laughs> that, oh. was so, man, that was so young, man. They're still around. Was, uh, yeah, they're still going, hey. I mean, they released an album this year, it looks like. Mm. But they were also trending last year on TikTok. Oh, yeah. Because because that, because that of the lyrics, basically. So all these kids that grew up with that song are now old and in re-listening to that song actually hear the words that are being sung and are like, oh, man, this hits me hard now as a 30-something. <laughs> ah, that's cool. I didn't see that. So they were like, oh, that yeah. song resonates. What are the odds? Yeah, because apparently the original version of the song was a lot slower oh. um, in line with the sentiment. But then I looked it up. I've got a clip. Hang on. I've got the song. Oh, is, is this one you prepared earlier? How did you know to do this? Yeah, how about that? What a coincidence. Is that a tambourine I hear? Yeah, it sure is. I mean, it's literally just the same thing slowed down slightly. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe a little more melancholy. That's what those fat cat producers do, though. You know, like they do sprinkle the magic. Yeah. They're like, you know what? Why don't we try this? Dunk. And just turned it up to 11. Reminds me of another boy band from the 60s. A little band called The Beatles. The Beatles. And they had a song called Help, which John Lennon wrote, which, again, lyrics, very sad. Um, like, literally, help. I need somebody, not just anybody. I need someone, you know? When I was younger, so much younger than today. You know, et cetera, et cetera. Same kind of deal. But he talks about how in that stage of the band, like the, the song itself sounds like a bop, sounds like a mbop as well, but the words are so dark. Mm. And he says, yeah, at that time they didn't know they could be that. Vulnerable. They thought everything had to be a bop. 
And so there you have it. I guess it's a tale as old as time, you know? Oh, that's what they say. Angsty teens with things to say that gets wrapped up in a sugary sweet bow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely. What's the... (laughs) What's the... Is there an example you can give of today? What are the what's the sugary sweet bow of today? I couldn't tell you. Dua Lipa? Yeah, I'm sure there's some darkness there. I don't know. I just saw a video of her the other day. I saw her for the first time recently. Ah, oh, so you get it now. Um Yeah. Hey, this is not to take away from her talent, but she happens to be extremely hot. Yeah, like I just hadn't seen yeah. her before. That's all I'm saying. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> wow. Have you got the wow button there? I got it right here. Wow. One more time. <laughs> Can I get to the yes? I get it now. Sweet um, <coughs> I lost my voice, by the way. Oh, you were at karaoke. karaoke the other night. Man, it Open, was, exposed, it was lit. exposed karaoke? Yeah, like a, bar, like a proper karaoke bar. Oh, that's cool. And I, I, I'll tell you what, I went up, I, I, I nearly struck out two strikes and then a fucking home run. Ooh. Yeah. Really? Anyway, hey, it was a big year, 1997. Big year for the Hansons. Big year for movies too. We've done this year quite a bit actually. There's the, it's a Titanic year for films, you might say. What do you mean by that? Well, there's, there's a film about a big boat in, in number one um, oh, called yeah. the Titanic. Spoiler. Uh, number two, The Lost World, Jurassic Park. Number three, Men in Black. Yeah, we've done it a bunch of times. Uh, why don't I just use this as an opportunity to plug the other movies we've covered from this year. We've covered, I know what you did last summer, we've covered Spawn. Um but there's a little film that came in at number 38 that year, a film about a man, a man and a, and a game, oh. a little film called The Game. Came out in September 1997, budget of $70 million with a gross of $109.4 million, Decent box office, but pretty meaty budget. Mm. It's one of those films that's definitely grown in stature over time. They didn't light the box office on fire, mm. but it's got a following. And Rotten Tomatoes agrees. Critic score, 78%. Audience score, 84%. Okay. Critic consensus. Uh, the ending could use a little work. Mm. Fair enough. But this otherwise, <laughs> I wish that was it. <laughs> Critic consensus. <laughs> yeah. The ending could use a little bit of work. <laughs> I think that is, that is the definition of consensus because I think everyone would agree with that. Uh, but this is otherwise another sterling example of David Finch's iron grip on atmosphere and storytelling. Iron grip. Was this a, this a big one for you, Greg? Um, was this a big film for me? Not straight off the bat. Yeah. This was in the video store before I'd even heard of it. Um, so yeah, same. one night we were... Doing our usual ritual uh, was with the Serbs. Milan, who you know from high school. Oh, yeah. A mutual friend of uh, the Double Impact team. If you guys haven't noticed, Greg and I had very parallel youths. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Lots of mutual. We didn't know each other, but we had lots of mutual friends and then we eventually worked together. We found each other. Isn't that wild? It's it's so cute. Uh, And we're at the shop where we get the videos from. I think it was Video Easy. Uh, And, Mm. yeah, uh, Milan was like, oh. We've got to get this movie, the game. Great film, great film. Uh, uh, I think it was one of those nights when you're getting like five movies and you're like, okay, just throw it in. I couldn't tell you what year this was. This was probably a couple, a good couple of years later, maybe early noughties. Right. And then I watched it and I was like, that's a good movie. You know what's funny? 
I, I, like, I was reflecting on this earlier and I was like, I, I saw it late too. I think, I'm pretty sure I watched it after I saw Fight Club. Um, but I do remember a schoolyard conversation and now I'm like, was it Milan? Oh. I don't think it was. I can't remember who it was, but I remember someone at school explaining it to me and thinking, oh, that sounds kind of cool, but it's, I wasn't there yet. Like if mm. if it was anywhere near when the movie came out, I was like 13, 14 years old. I wasn't quite ready. Yeah. But, you know, I, after film student Tristan discovered Fight Club, I was like, more, oh. give me more. And even Seven, like Seven was like yeah, yeah. a hit, Of right? course. I think I watched that before And as that well, was before, before this. Yeah. I think it was made before this, wasn't it? It was, yeah. So it surprises me that. I didn't know about it when it came out because it was the seven guy and it, Michael Douglas, only white boy ever make me moy. <laughs> <laughs> plenty of reasons. Plenty of reasons. So many reasons. Are you are you a Fincher man in general? Um, Fincherman, sorry. Not not like you are. Yeah. Not like you are. Well, I'm also probably less than I say, seem. I was definitely like, you know, Fight Club definitely lit a fire in. In my testes, <laughs> you know, I, I can't wait to do that movie because I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I liked it for all the wrong reasons back in yeah. 1999. Um, all the right reasons. But, what are the wrong? What are the wrong or right reasons? Well, oh, I guess there's no wrong reasons, but the kind of reasons that would make other Fincher films feel slightly underwhelming. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Films that have become classics like Zodiac. People love Zodiac. When I came out, I was like, eh, whatever. But I'm actually keen to rewatch that too. Yeah, I'd like to rewatch Zodiac. And I haven't, I'm de- certainly not a completionist. He's released a few that I haven't seen. Hey, um, could I just say, I think the only, do you, know, do you know who liked Fight Club more than anyone? Who? The editors of Men's Health. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, Every yeah, fucking yeah, month. Abs. Brad Pitt's workout. Brad Pitt's diet to get them abs. And it was always just the most generic Generic thing like a couple of sit ups. Monday would be chest day. Yeah. Thursday would be shoulders. Like it was just like, yeah, okay, this this tells me nothing. And you know what? He was just skinny. No, he had good abs, but he was pretty skinny. He wasn't like huge, but yeah, he was ripped. He was tiny. He was tiny. Featherweight, bro. Not even. Bantam. I'm sure we'll dive into this in the Fight Club episode, but I remember thinking that at the time because I was was a gym junkie then. It was all about mass. I wanted to be huge. And I always thought that about him in Fight Club. I'm like, I don't really aspire to be that. That's too skinny. Yeah, I want to be huge. (laughs) Huge. Anyway. Yeah, so I guess in terms of personal history of this film, more of a grower than a shower, (laughs) sounds like. Definitely. (laughs) Do you reckon reckon Michael Douglas is a grower or a shower? I reckon he's a shower. (laughs) I guess it's all out there. I reckon he's a grower and he takes pride in like, get ready. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know what you're in for. Mm. Show me the yams. Where are the yams? <laughs> I love doing Michael Douglas movies. <laughs> he has, doesn't have enough sex in this movie, but no, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some maybe on the way to the airport for a coffee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. True. All right. Let's get into the origin story. <laughs> origin story. So this started as a spec script by John Broncado and Michael Ferris in 1991, sold it to MGM, but it ended up with Propaganda Films. Mm. Uh, and if that sounds familiar, we talked about it last episode with Michael Bay, mm-hmm. another Propaganda Films alumni. Filmsman. And actually I looked into that. There's a whole bunch of uh, famous directors who started at Propaganda Films. This was they primarily did ads 
and music videos, I think. So Michael Bay, Spike Jones, Zack Snyder, many more. Antoine Fuqua. Did you know the first PR agency was called Propaganda something? Really? It makes sense. Yeah, well, it was just called. I mean, maybe it like, it's related. Is, they're like, well, it's just propaganda. And then propaganda became a dirty word. Um, right. Used purely for um, communists. We, we just use it for communists, right? Oh, they're the only ones throwing out propaganda. Where in fact, it's PR. Propaganda is now, it's a, now a word that, you know, like agenda mm. and like all these things that these people that, you know, go down rabbit holes of fake news. Mm. Just weave these fucking things around. Uh, anyway. Anyway, we should have a, a spin-off conspiracy pod. Conspiracy pod. That would be Triple cool. Impact. What if we accidentally convert ourselves? Maybe we already have. All right, let's get this straight back on track. Um, propaganda Films gets it. But it wasn't quite a David Fincher film just yet. It didn't quite start there. Oh. Um, you, you'll notice I said they bought the script in 1991. So ah. this film didn't come out till 97. So there's a huge gap there. Six what years. happened? What happened? So apparently, initially, it was uh, attached to a director by the name of Jonathan Mostow, who did a bunch of movies I haven't heard of, except for U571, he did that one. Oh, the sub. Yeah. And Kyle MacLachlan and Bridget Fonda were set to star. <clears throat> Apologies for my voice. Sorry again. Karaoke-ness. Um, and it was set to start filming in 1993, but a bunch of boring film industry political stuff happened and got in the way. And I think it then rebounced around a few different studios and ended up back at Propaganda Films um, in the hands of producer Steve Golan, who then brought in Fincher. Now, Fincher, the fun thing about these guys that worked at Propaganda Films is you get to go back and look at what they actually worked on. So he worked on... And from an advertising point of view, he worked on Levi's, Converse, Nike, Pepsi, Coke, basically everything. Apparently he hated doing it. So I'd say our chances of getting David Fincher on this podcast as a couple of advertising fellas is slim to none. Put him up there with... With the rest of them, <laughs> with anyone of note. Um, politely. What about <laughs> Natasha Kinski? She politely declined. Her agent did, yeah. Natasha Henstridge. Which one was it? One of the Natasha's. Yeah, Henstridge. I think I I probably gave them cold feet because I said we'll do it species. Yeah. Hey, um, shout out to Tristan be because I'm I'm being a little bit overly tangential today. <laughs> you stay the course, buddy. It's cool. It's cool. It's what we do. Mm. Um, but from a music video point of view, man, this guy has done some heavy hitting classic music videos. Vogue, Madonna. Oh wow. MJ. Who is it? Somebody hurt my son now. Um, George Michael, Freedom. Yeah, there's definitely an aesthetic here. Yeah, it all kind of adds up, right? Flowing and there are a lot. There's a long flowing, list. Flowing material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some black and white here and there. I mean, you, it's a very Fincher-esque aesthetic, I guess you could say. You really could. And I guess it is interesting too because a lot of the directors we do do come out of advertising. Some don't. But I guess it's <laughs> kind of too. like... <laughs> no, like the 10,000 hours thing, you know? Yeah. I think like because even Michael Bay's got a very distinct style, Tony Scott, like a lot of these mm. ones that come out of advertising, they come in to their debut film with a pretty distinct aesthetic, you know? It's, mm. it's interesting. Anyway, we can talk more about that later. But anyway, Fincher got an opportunity to last minute sub in for a director on Alien 3. Mm. 
which became his his uh, feature debut. Mm. Uh, but brought in quite late. He's coming out party. He's coming out party. I mean, how about that trilogy of directors? Ridley Scott, James Cameron, David Fincher. But unfor- unfortunately, his one's the stinker. Um, but it seems like it's not quite his fault. Last minute, no control, kind of a disaster. Too many aliens. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, this is where the two narratives I've been weaving kind of come together. This script is there it's, and he's attached um, and he's about to, he's, he's going to pull the trigger, but this other project he's been working on called Seven gets accelerated because so- suddenly Brad Pitt's available and ready. So they go, okay, let's make Seven first and then we'll get to the game. Yeah. This was, this was great for a few reasons. It, it helped course correct a little bit his trajectory, the back of Alien 3, allowed allowed them to unlock a bit more budget for the game, Um, you know, all all good stuff. So he's in. Um, They bring in another writer, Andrew Kevin Walker. He'd worked on Seven as well and the the two of them sharpened the script together. And uh, Fincher, it's some interesting quotes, this guy. Fincher had this angle on the film which was a, well, on Michael Douglas's character in the film, which was a combination of inspo from a few different films. So he says... Michael Douglas's character was a fashionable, good-looking Scrooge, lured into a Mission Impossible situation with a steroid shot in the thigh from the sting. What? So he kind of pulled these three nuggets together and pushed them into Magdala. Magdala. Yeah, and he also said this film is about a man who is dead, but by the end of the film he's brought back to life, which again is very Scrooge-esque. That's a good, uh, yeah, good reference point. Mm-hmm. Today, Sir White's Christmas Day. That's how it should have ended. Oh, I just fixed it. I missed that. But it's like it's right there. Yeah. And, yeah, in case you didn't notice, Douglas is in. But there are some other precasties here. So Jodie Foster was nearly the female lead, um, but Fincher felt a bit weird having someone of that stature in such a small role. And they did briefly consider rewriting Conrad's character to be his daughter and have Foster play that. Um, which is kind of hilarious when you can kind of play the love interest or the daughter as the same. It's actor, Hollywood, you know? isn't it? So. <laughs> well, yeah. Apparently, Michael Dolo didn't like him being her daughter, but apparently, yeah. there was a movie they did together when they were younger. And well, there's an 18 year her, age gap. He was, her, and he did play her guardian. Yeah, in some yeah. Someone's, so there's another yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, some, her guardian. But I read, I read conflicting things on that. On one, it sounded like they were into that and she wasn't into it. And others, it sounded like they weren't into it. In any case, it didn't happen. And she she ended up suing because she was told she was in. And then she was no longer in. You might say she was out. She was out. And she tried to sue them for $54 million. Settled out of court. So I assume she got close to that. Maybe half. Well, is that how it works? What, like why 54? She wouldn't have got paid that. I don't know. Yeah, maybe How's, time or something. I don't, I don't know. Like don't opportunity, know. missing out on other roles. Who hurt knows? Feelings. What's a hurt feeling worth these days in the court of law? Right, yeah. What can I sue for? The Hollywood law. Anyway, they ended up getting Deborah Cara Unger, which I'm sure I'm pronouncing incorrectly. Apologies. Uh, say that with respect. Yeah. Um, but I think so that good. works better because, I mean, I don't know if she was famous at the time. To me, she wasn't. And I think it works because you don't know the significance of a character right away. Whereas if that was Jodie Foster barges in spilling wine all over Michael Douglas, you know, oh, Something's here comes a main character. Yeah, whereas this is almost like she's an extra at first and then it kind of yeah, it's, evolves. Uh, it's very astute on your part. It's very astute on your part. Oh, thanks, man. Now, the precast is not over. Jeff Bridges was offered the role of Conrad 
um, which of course eventually went to Sean Penn, which made me think actually it would be great to have Sean Penn in the lead and Chris Penn as Conrad. Why not? Anyway, it's a little early for recasts. Maybe I should have saved that for later. Anyway, Penn's in. Unger's in. Michael Douglas is in. Bish Bash Bosh. You got yourself a movie, Rap Party at Rap Party of the Viper Room. Why not? Well, you'd make the trip. Yeah, he'll have a chopper or something. Anyway, let's play the trailer. What do you get for the man who has everything? Everything. Everything. Happy birthday, sir. Thank you, Maggie. I don't like her. So it brings you to town, Conrad. Everything all right? October 12th. Nikki's birthday. This is for you. Consumer Recreation Services. Call that number. Why? They make your life fun. What are you selling? It's a game. A game? Specifically tailored for each participant. John, chapter 9, verse 25. Whereas once I was blind, now I can see. Now I can see. One day your game begins. You either love it or hate it. Are you going to spend the rest of the evening prying at that clown's mouth? Mr. Van Orton, is everything all right? Ah, Mr. Van Orton. Have we met? I believe so. Why are you following me? Find out about a company called Consumer Recreation Services. They won't stop, Nick. He's in on it. I paid the bill. I paid him more to make it stop. I need the police. They're gonna break into my house. Let me avoid it from a bunch of depraved children. They're trying to kill me. Who's behind this? Who did this to me? Why? This is all the game. Ah! Right now, I am extremely dangerous. You're behind the whole thing, aren't you? Make your life fun. Rare no VO for a 90s film. Yeah. Yeah. Not a bad trailer. Not a bad trailer. Does leave a bit of a task for you to help recap what actually happened in this film. It does. It does. Because it is, this is a little story about a game, Tristan, uh, an interactive game where your life is put in danger. What's that? Am I talking mm. about the metaverse, AI, <laughs> machine learning? God of War? No, Tristan. This is real world stuff, flesh and bones and red bras. Mm. We open on a montage of a bougie family home video set. Lawn parties, Hamptons, etc. The kind of montage that makes you think that Fincher stole the idea from the Succession director 30 years before the Succession director had the idea. (laughs) Michael Douglas expands his horizons and plays an aloof, aggressive, uber-wealthy investment banker. Big stretch. He has everything, Tristan, or does he? Mm. He meets his semi-estranged brother on his birthday. I don't know, was he like late 50s? Something? I think he was 47. 
Oh. 48. I think they said 48, something oh, like that. they probably did. 48? Yeah. Fuck. Okay. Uh, his brother gives him the uh, gift of a game. Who got game? Mm. We got game. Like, another game behind the game. Mmm. Stoot. And from there, the game is all-encompassing, Tristan. Who can he trust? Where should he go? He's forced to reconsider all his crummy choices, including shooting his brother, jumping off a building. Jumping off a building. What what fun. (laughs) We'll get into that, sorry. (laughs) And then popping up and realising, oh, it was just a game, I'll have a champagne, thanks. Yeah, nice. It all wrapped up pretty neatly. Yeah, tied in a bow. <laughs> a sugar-coated bow. A sugar-coated bow. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the deal, man. He, he, his brother buys him this game and it's an all-encompassing game. It's real world. No metaverse here, Tristan, not even a mention of it. They didn't even mention the metaverse once in this whole movie. Did you notice that? <laughs> that's crazy. They didn't mention iPhones or anything. Not a single avatar. <laughs> they went tweeting. Really makes you think. Yeah, I mean, well, I might as well say it now. That was one thing I was thinking the whole time was this was uh, this is actually one of the rare movies that I would happily see a sequel slash reboot to because you could take this concept, bring it into 2022, and there's all new implications. Yeah, because you could check your bank account online and there'd be no money in it. Yeah, yeah, that kind of shit. That's exactly the kind of scene. Exactly the kind of scene. But yeah, like what is CRS products offering in 2022? You can imagine like you received a video of your brother being kidnapped or something or um, you get the old classic message from a mystery person in your DMs or something and, you know, cameras in public, you know, all that kind of shit, digital paranoia, all that kind of shit, you know. Like the net. Yeah, like the net. One of these guys worked on the net too. I think, I can't remember who, one of these guys. The writers, yeah, the guys that wrote the spec script worked on the net. Isn't that funny? There you have it. They were they were right on there. Right really? On nose. Anyway, initial thoughts. Initial thoughts. Uh, how did you? How was the rewatch, Greg? Um, well, yeah, the opening was very familiar, and then I was like, "Why is this so familiar?" It's Succession has basically lifted that as the opening sequence. Fuck. Or is that good point? I didn't clock that, maybe, but you're absolutely right. Well, maybe yeah, maybe I've overclocked it. Maybe it's not a big deal, but I. But no, but it's it's there, certainly. What got me thinking, what about, wouldn't Michael Douglas have a great cameo succession? He could play like the disgraced half-brother of the dad who's out of minimum yeah, security after, you know, doing 10 years inside, inside a tra- 10 years for insider trading during the Carnival Cruise yeah. acquisition, you know, the, the line, cruise liner, the one that was it, caused them all that trouble in season one. Yeah, there you go. That works. Yeah, that's him. Story by. Um, he's the guy, of course he's the guy. He's the guy. Yeah. Keep going. So yes, Tristan, um, my initial thought besides that was that this movie um, like was better. Than, like I, I enjoyed watching it, but knowing the end was like significant. It's right up there with knowing the end. Like this is right up there with, um, oh, geez, like the Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense. Yeah, you read my or, mind, Greg. You're literally. Or Fight Club. Are you reading my notes right now? 
because- Am I? I don't know. Maybe I've hacked into <laughs> your notes. <laughs> I I had a similar thing. Like Overall, I, I liked it, but not as much as I thought I would. And even as it started playing, I was wondering, you know, will I enjoy it as much knowing the ending? Which made me think in general, like, you know, we should we should know this as experts in rewatchability. Like do movies with a twist become more rewatchable or less rewatchable? And I think it kind of depends because there's some movies with a twist where the rewatch becomes interesting because you're almost watching it like a detective at that point looking for clues. Get out of my but notes. this movie doesn't notes. really have clues. Get out of my notes. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> you could I don't think you could watch this and find clues enough to yeah. definitively tell you whether it's a game or not. Correct. Uh, but it is beautiful. It's like yeah. It's a great vibe to absorb and you know, it's there's great stuff throughout, but in terms of the crux of it, like I found myself a little impatient or dismissive or knowing that it is a game and you see the elaborateness of some of the things. Mm. It kind of just takes me out of it because I just think about the logistics <laughs> and I just think about I think about like no one's that good at acting. Your brother is in on this? What? I mean, he's Sean Penn, but in the movie he's not Sean Penn. He's just <laughs> some guy. Like the, the quality of acting you would have to get to bring this to life yeah. is wild. Again, I guess they could. They've got huge budgets. Like the budget probably cost the, – the cost of pulling this game off in real life is probably more than the budget of this film. <laughs> um, I did try and find if anyone had cracked that, by the way. I didn't find it. But, I- um, <laughs> Yeah, what was the what was the invoice at the end? That would have been interesting. Yeah, a couple of hundred, right? But yeah, those kinds of things do take me out of it a little bit. And this is not to say that I didn't like it. I just didn't like it as much. I wasn't as enjoyable as the first time, which is probably true mm. for a lot of movies, but maybe slightly more so for a film like this. But there's so much going for it in other ways. Like it's like you're like watching an oil painting. It's so pretty and. Mm. It's just good. Yeah, it's just quality. Like sipping a fine wine kind of deal, but yeah, uh, but yeah, the twist thing. And actually, uh, that exact example you gave, Sixth Sense. I've never even seen the Sixth Sense because someone mm. spoiled the ending for me, and I'm like, why would I watch it? <laughs> you know, I'm not that interested in it. You still should. I, I still think. should. I'm sure we'll cover it at some point. But yeah, it'll be interesting to to think about when we do other twisty movies. Um, which was a big style at the time. I don't think we've done a ton of them, have we? Well, I mean, Fincher's got his own twisty movie in Fight Club, right? Yeah, and even Seven to a degree. What's in the bar? And Seven, of course Seven, but yeah. That's not really a huge twist. That's more like a a lemon twist. Yeah. Um, But Fight Club obviously is quite insignificant. But, Mm. yeah, I I had the exact same thought, exact same. Yeah. Process of thought where I started going, well, what is it about, you know, the kind, what do you need? You need a series of clues that on second watch, uh, yeah, fun becomes to more and obvious, rediscover and go, oh, of course. And that's, this doesn't have that. Which I think the sixth sense does have, right? Because the sixth sense, I think people say, like, oh, yeah, the mother never talks to Bruce Willis. So that yeah. shows he was dead. Like, there's things that in there. Yeah. Whereas this, yeah, at face exactly. value, everything that's happening is what's happening. Yeah, and and I couldn't actually tell what, like, what was the things that he did that they didn't actually predict him to do versus... I was thinking about that too, the scenarios. Like, there must be infinite scenarios that they have to plan for, which, again, maybe they can do. I guess this is, they do make it, they do do a good job of showing how elaborately rich he is 
and what an elaborate operation it is. And they do have a few lines that help kind of build that scenario planning and stuff into it. Like, you know, the guy at the end saying, oh, I'm glad you jumped because if you didn't, I was going to have to push you. So I mm. guess they kind of allude to that there is a plan for all those scenarios, but yeah. still, man, it's pretty, it's pretty, but I mean, yeah, it's still good fun, but I guess in the rewatch when you're not caught up in the intrigue because you know where it's going, you have more time to think about that. Whereas the first watch you like, you're rolling with the punches and you're like, what is, what, who's that? What's going on there? Yeah. Um, whereas this, you're watching it more benefit of hindsight, hypercritical eye, which is a very hard eye to please, I suppose. Um, <clears throat> the hardest. But I still enjoyed it. Can I tell you, can I tell you something though? Yeah. When, when the door opens and he shoots the brother at the end. Yeah. I was like, oh, Mandela effect. I thought there was like a falling scene. Right, yeah. And like, oh, but at the end is he kills his brother. I'm like, oh, so it had me, Tristan. Yeah. It had me. I did have a couple of those moments. Yeah. I I had a couple of those moments where I knew ultimately I remembered it was a game, but there were a few things along the way that I forgot that got me a little like, oh, oh, that's not quite how, oh, where's this going? Um. So yeah, I mean it was still it was still a compelling watch for sure. But I, I was also thinking it is very much like a more analog version of Total Recall. Okay. Go on. Well, you know, in that it's like Keep going. Instead Keep of going. a game, it's the fake memory and you're like, okay, well, is he living mm. his fake memory or is he actually an action hero? And in this mm. one it's is it a game or is he stumbled onto some kind of conspiracy? A, a more completely resolved ending, though, I suppose. Um, but I would also say after reading that quote from the man himself, it is, yeah, it's, it's almost like part Scrooge, part Total Recall in a lot of ways. A Christmas recall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can we talk about what a fun game this would be? Because what it's a hoot. It's a real hoot. What's the funnest bit of it? Well, you get you pay a large sum of money for these people to trash your home, mm. bury you alive in Mexico. Go on. Uh, make you think you killed your brother. I'm listening. Make you want to kill yourself. Ruin two perfectly good shirts. Oh, with the pen ink. Not, not for nothing, but I couldn't, just because I'm so busy at work right now, I couldn't help thinking this whole time, Jesus is going to fall behind on his work. Like he's just disappearing <laughs> for days at a time. <laughs> like, How many fuck. deals are going on at the moment? At <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um so it's not fun. Like this is no more a game than what Kevin McAllister set up for Harry and Marv. Like this is this is not a game. <laughs> a game should be fun when you're playing it, not when you're just relieved it wasn't real. <laughs> they make your life fun. But I get it. I get it. It's this idea of he's he's lost. He's lost. It's a it's a it's a little dose of adrenaline to get him to re reappraise his life and everything he has. And Fincher says um, the film's about loss of control. The purpose of the game is to take your greatest fear, put it this close to your face, and then say you're still alive. It's all right. Mm. Oh, yeah, Fincher. Which, you know, has some Tyler Durden-ness to it, doesn't it? Remember that one where they, I just thought of that, where they go and point a gun at the 7-Eleven kid? Yeah. Tomorrow will be the most beautiful day of Raymond Chaos's life. His breakfast will taste better than any meal you and I have ever tasted. That kind of deal. Yeah. But I would say like the, the, this guy, people like this, uh, they're not playing games like this. They're going to Epstein Island or whatever happens in fucking the hostel 
and fucking <laughs> what's the Van Damme one? <laughs> the rich people paying to hunt humans, basically. Isn't that a thing? Ah, oh, hard target. Hard target. I actually Googled it to see if it is a thing and I found an article <laughs> saying. I hope you're on the dark web. <laughs> well, almost, the mirror. Um, hunting humans set to become big business for the super rich within the next 100 years. The same population growth and a growing disparity between rich and poor says hunting humans as an underground sport could happen as early as 2100. Um, that's weird to say. The report suggests, uh, but becoming authentic tourism experience by the year 2200. I find that very unsettling, Tristan. I'm not going to lie. I find it, I find it very extremely unsettling. I mean, it's probably not going to happen, but I mean, the world wow. is a crazy place it, right now. Who knows it's not already. Right. Well, that's the thing. I, I Googled it thinking surely there's something out there. And I think there has been examples in history, but like not any time recently on the record at least. Mm. Yeah. And I think I think the thing that undercuts it all a, a little bit, sorry, just going back to the, the game itself, is just the end, the ending, man. It's just like, oh, it's not real? All right, let's oh. have some champagne. Yeah, fall through a plate glass window and fall, uh, you know, like 100 feet. Yeah. There's a party waiting for you. It's it's like those TikToks where like they do something absolutely horrible to someone and they go, don't worry, it's just for TikTok. And they go, oh, (laughs) you still did something horrible to someone. (laughs) It's fucked. Man, I would absolutely put the lights out of that annoying guy. If he came up on me at Walmart. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aye? That kind of shit. That kind of shit. That guy, you know yeah. Guy? Puppy? He got smashed, you know right? Someone, guy. yeah. They go, that's him. fair enough. That's an appropriate response. I don't I don't condone violence, but that's. That's why you watch the videos though, don't you? That's why you like, you're like, oh, this, this guy's going to hit him. <laughs> I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for the him. ones where they, they do something nice. I'm conflicted because they do it nice on video for views, but whatever. At least they did something nice and not yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Hey, um, so his brother had played the game. Yeah. I wonder what his game was like because he's a bit of a loose cannon, right, Conrad? Oh, Connie? Yeah. What was his game like? And his brother wasn't involved in that game. Yeah. Who bought it for him? Who's dropping a couple of hundred grand, you know, assuming that's what it costs? 50 mil, I reckon. For the game? You think it was $50 million? Well, someone when I looked it up, someone on Reddit suggested that. You go, well, if you look oh, okay. at the movie for the budget, uh, the budget for the movie, that might be a good indication of how much it would be to to do the game oh, itself. Game. Yeah. Jeez, I guess you wouldn't have money. to hire Michael Douglas, but but you I guess you do have to hire top tier actors though, so I don't know. Well, or or be or be the brother of Sean Penn. <laughs> he's he's a good actor. Have you seen Milk? Very good actor. I haven't seen Milk. Neither, but didn't he win something for that? Probably. I don't know. I just named a movie that he's in yeah, I like Sean Penn. Um, Dead Man Walking. Dead Man Walking. That was a big one. Oh, yeah. Susan Sarandon. I'm she's a big Susan Sarandon man. Oh, she's a babe. She's up there with Sally Field. <laughs> I would put her in a slightly different category. To um, Sally Field? With, with babes. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? I'll tell you what. Friends of the show have been backing you up and sending quite a few great Sally, I'm coming round. I'm coming round. Mate, Not that I just let me be clear. She is a very pretty woman, but babe is a different thing. But I'm coming yeah. round. I'm coming round. I think it's pretty like the 
the footage of that era is pretty hard to argue with. It's compelling. Arnie knows the data up. is compelling. Yeah, 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 yeah. The data is. Honey does know what's up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, one more thing on the ending. Um, airport coffee, huh? <laughs> what the fuck? He he leaves his own party to go to the airport with her for a coffee. I guess they kind of make it a statement about his embracing, you know, these sweet little moments. Impulsive, but still, yes. airport coffee. There is an alternate ending where he just walks away. If she's got time to have a coffee at the airport, why doesn't she just have one a drink with him at the fucking party? Yeah, the time is the same. Yeah, he's ha- this is the payoff and you're going to take him away from that after all he's been through. Man. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I tell you what though, this this movie did have one of my favorite uh one of my favorite character actors, one of one of my favorite that guys, James Reborn. He's so great. You see the the the, the main the, the guy that worked at, yeah, he's been in so much stuff. I can't even list he's it. He passed away a few years ago. Did he? Yeah, he's he's usually a great straight man, like a great, you know, crusty old dean or something that's always getting in the way of stuff. He's always in the way. Yeah, like I think he was that in Independence Day, right? But he was in like Scent of a Woman, The Game, Carlito's Way, Independence Day, My Cousin Vinny, Meet the Parents. Oh yeah, so many he's things. Is yeah. Oh, you're a doctor too, Greg. Oh, you're a nurse. <laughs> and then, like, TV shows, just so many, from Seinfeld to Wise Guy. Friends. From Seinfeld to Friends. Law and Order, of course. NCIS. 30 Rock, Homeland. Yeah, Homeland was a big one, actually. He was kind of a main character in that. He was the dad, I think. Mm. Right? Never watched Homeland. Yeah, but he's great. So shout out to James Reborn. What a great actor. Mm. R.I.P. R.I.P. I didn't know he'd passed. Yeah. And what about Michael Douglas as an actor? I was thinking this too because um, obviously the son of um, of Kirk Douglas and I don't know if we've talked about this much but just I've done such a 180 on nepotism in Hollywood. Like I used to respond quite positively to it, almost from a trivia point of view, like, oh, that person's related to that person. Isn't that cool? Or like, oh, my God, that's Ethan Hawke and, and Uma Thurman's daughter. Oh, and she looks like them. Isn't that cool? But now I just think about all the actors out there who aren't already related to someone famous trying to make it. And I was thinking this today and I was thinking this when I was watching it, like, okay, son of Michael Douglas. Is he a good actor? Is he uh, sorry, son of Kirk Douglas? Is he a good actor? Like, does he deserve these films? I think he's good. I think he's good. Mm. He's got a niche, right? Like all he those roles deserves, he does. Like, that are, yeah, who could play yeah, that better? They're uniquely him. Like, I dig it. A rich fuckwit. The Kyle McLaughlin's pretty solid, but yeah, he's just he's he's a great. He is that archetype, and it works well. And it's not like there's a bunch of others that do a similar thing. I think it's pretty much that guy, right? Did he do theatre when he was younger? Because I'm sure I remember reading how about how he was so nervous he'd be throwing up before he went and performed. And I should really mum spaghetti. Exactly, yeah, eight mile shit. Well, a little bit different to eight mile in that you know he was um, born into Hollywood royalty. But um, <laughs> well, Eminem was the son of um, Kim Basinger. That's a good point. Yeah. I hadn't thought of that. I think the biggest thing on that note, thinking about like nepotism in Hollywood, Mm. I think the biggest thing is that 
I think about what's wrong with it. What's wrong with it? I think for me the biggest thing is not, not just that you're given the opportunities, but you're given the time and the resources. Mm. Like if you're trying to be an actor, actually I think it's a line in Tick, Tick, Boom where it's like, you know, there's a certain point where you're no longer an, an actor who's, you know, a waiter at a restaurant to make extra money and you become a waiter with a hobby. Like that doesn't happen to Hollywood kids. They get to just go all in and risk it all for the big job. Whereas everyone else has realities of bills to pay and things and having kids and, you know, mm. all that stuff gets in the way. Like even fucking one of the Chris's. Uh, the Chris's? Found out even he's the son of someone. Who are the four Chris's? Oh, Chris Pine. Even Chris Pine's like the son of someone. Just oh. almost every actor you can think of is related to someone already in Hollywood. And it kind of it yeah. irks me because we yeah, face the no, same issue as a podcaster. Like we're not already famous. We're just a couple of guys making a podcast and we work hard and we want it to get out there. And then someone that was in a sitcom once makes a podcast about fucking or whatever. someone that was on a reality TV show. I'm not bitter. Yeah, Exactly. Like wasn't exactly like and so maths. I say that selfishly, but unselfishly, I'm empathetic to the struggle of non-famous people trying to be actors. Well, um, I think Chris Pine's dad was the Thunderbirds guy. <laughs> he very much could be. Fuck, that's fucking astute on your part, man. That's good. That's very astute. On that's your impressive. Part. Yeah, I could totally see that. He looks like a fucking robot. <laughs> He looks like a Thunderbird. He fucking looks yeah. like a Thunderbird. That's wild. That's what insane. A strange, what a strange show Thunderbirds was. I used to watch it. He could it he on. could play the lead. He could be the lead, Gary. He could play Gary. He looks like Gary. Team America. Yeah, Dad does look Gary. like Gary from Team America. And I think I think I checked the internet already for that because uh, you know you think of something and you're like oh and then you look uh, it up yeah. and you're like yeah it's a thing. I do that all the time. By that time, I invented credit cards. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone thought of this? What if there was a system where instead of exchanging cash, you could? Ju- oh yeah, that's credit cards. Uh, no, I do that all the time. Any any thought I have, I just Google it to see. Someone oh, else has probably man. thought about this and articulated it better. <laughs> did you find? Did anyone else say it? The Gary thing. Okay, hang on. Chris Pine. What's his name? Gary. Chris Pine, Gary, Team America. Team yeah, America. Thing. People are freaking out over Chris Pine's hilariously weird lookalike. Yep, it's a thing. Oh, From wow. 2018. Well, I mean, great minds. Yeah. You're on the zeitgeist, man. So he does look like Gary. Yeah, this is a thing. He looks fucking heaps like him. This is a big old thing. From music from 2017. Oh my god, there's a movie Chris Pine in the Wrinkle of Time. Oh, trailer looks like Gary Johnson, and I just can't stop thinking. There's footage of him with the exact same hair as well. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh man, you gotta go and watch that. You gotta look at that link when I people Google it. Do yourself a favor. Brighten your Monday or Tuesday or whatever day you're listening to this. Yeah. Not Thursday as it turns out. I think Thursday is our lowest day. Well, Thursday always seems to be the lowest. Anyway. Should we get into the verdict? Sure. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. 
I'd like an answer to question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Um. All right. Verdict time, guys. All right. All right. All right. I'm not stalling. I'm not just thinking about stuff. <laughs> uh, does anything in this movie fundamentally break in current day? I don't think so. It all still, I mean, other than technology, obviously would definitely change things up a little bit. Like you could just it. Google just CRS. Google C- Actually, you had some version of the internet then, but uh, it was a very different beast then. You were just checking out the Space Jam website in 1997. Um, FX test. Yeah, I mean, it's not an FX-heavy film, but it's a very aesthetic film that still mm-hmm. is very aesthetic. And actually on that note, not really a special effect, but to your point in the opening, um, the casting of a child version of of Michael Douglas was beautifully done. You see it and you're like, that's obviously meant to be Michael Douglas, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, spot on, spot on. Isn't it? I hadn't thought of that. Maybe it's his home videos. Uh, maybe it was his kid. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Ooh. Uh, representation. I mean, this fails both the Bechdel test and the race Bechdel test, unfortunately. Um, mm. Yeah, not much more to say there other than not fail, fail. Cultural relevance. Did Simpsons do it? I don't think so. This one's a really hard one because of the name because it's just called The Game. Um, you know, if you Google the Simpsons, so if the you, game. If you, yeah, because there's a great Simpsons resource where you pretty much type anything in and it tells you if there was an episode that had that film in it. Yeah, yeah. But with a so, generic yeah. term like game, it doesn't quite. I didn't look for it because I just assumed that it hadn't. Yeah, right, but and you'll just find fucking Bonestorm or like Simpsons Road Rage or some bullshit. Porn parody, same deal. Game porn parody doesn't doesn't work. But whatever, cultural relevance, I would say, versus when it first came out, this one, you know, has grown in relevance over the years, maybe dwindled in more recent years, but it's held up as a as a Fincher essential for sure, I think, right? Like it's generally I guess. It's generally in the conversation. The Fincher it, like conversation. Is it is it? I don't know. I think so. I mean that's I have not nothing to back My that mind, up. That's just the vibe yeah. I get. I'm sure there's people listening going, of course it is, Greg, or others going, nah, I reckon it's split a little bit. Because if I think of Fincher as a layman, God knows I'm a layman, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking uh, Fight Club and Seven uh, and maybe some of his more recent, not recent, but, you know. True. So You're right. I mean, I wouldn't put it, it's, it's not like it's his Reservoir Dogs or something. Yeah. But I would, I would put it in the mix. But yeah, fair. The sample size of one, sample size of one. That's not really representative of culture at large, is it, Greg? Um, I think it's, um, yeah. Well, critic and audience scores are very high, so that would suggest that I'm wrong. (laughs) Well, that's true. Yeah, the the scores are really high. But rewatchability-wise, I think that is probably maybe the main tension point in the verdict, I guess, is... Mm. It is rewatchable, but it's coming from such a high base of initial watch to rewatch that it it is it is a step down, mm. but still still within the enjoyable zone for sure. Like it's a good movie. It's quality. It's not a, it's not like it was 
it's not immediately disinteresting once you know the twist, but there are moments that they don't hit the same in many ways. Mm. They can be distracting. Yeah. Yeah, The second viewing is more just appreciating the aesthetics somewhat because the story is a bit, yeah, you know, a little underwhelming the second time around. Yeah, and I guess I guess to touch on what we were saying before, there's no clues. So it's not like I think a good twist is if you're smart enough and attentive enough, you should be able to figure it out. I mean, you probably still wouldn't, but it should be possible. Whereas this one, it's more just like you genuinely – I mean, I think, I think he said something about this too. What did he say? Oh, no, I think Douglas says this. He says – I think what I'm most proud about is that it's one of the very few movies that you could not guess the ending. Yeah, so yeah. basically saying what I just said is a bad thing, he says is a good thing, which I get in initial watch, but yeah, I'll continue. It, it, that's why I'm – Yeah, that's not in the lens of a rewatch, is it? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. He says that's why I'm such a big sports fan. With sports you can never guess what's, what's going to happen, which is a good analogy. But movies you get halfway through and you can kind of guess the ending. The game you could never figure out what the ending was going to be, which I guess, yeah, you could argue is a strength in initial watch, but in rewatch you're not really rewarding anyone because you're just kind of going, it was a game, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's Yeah, and, and it's also not doing something as, you know, pretty epic as, as um, I would argue groundbreaking as Total Recall where you end the movie and you're still not sure. So it's not like it does yeah. that either. That's got clues on both sides. So... It is – this is not to say it doesn't hold up by any means, but it's just in terms of rewatch value, not as strong as some others, I would say. The, the one thing – agree. The one thing it does well, I think, is that last little – the bit where he shoots his brother at the end, you're like, oh, but it was a game. Yeah, the you fact that you was, knew and it still hit you. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. It, it climaxes quite well. Mm. But then he mm, falls into the said. party. I did you. And he falls into the party. And has a glass of champagne because everything's okay. <laughs> Imagine going from I'm killing myself to I'll have a glass of champagne. Oh, it's just a delightful prank. <laughs> killing yourself <laughs> is a huge emotion. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> Do I still have my hundreds of millions of dollars? <laughs> no, you spent it on the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the it. ending. That would be the ending. It's like, oh, wow, great. All right, where's the bill? Oh, yeah. I guess I'm moving in with you, broski. <laughs> um, Recasties, I didn't really have any. I guess I if didn't. you were doing a modern one with digital, I could see Ryan Gosling being a grumpy fella. I'm just thinking mm. on the spot now. What about that guy? That now I'm just thinking, actually, now I'm just thinking of Batman as well. well Fincher what about should do a Batman. The other guy, him. That's in the movie with Ryan Gosling. Steve Carell. That could work. Give him a chance to he's good at doing roles you wouldn't have thought of. Yeah. And then you know who would be a good him? Conrad? A good brother would be um Steve Carell. Jonah Hill. Oh yeah. That works. Uh that's it. That is all. And I guess we'll start a Christmas season next week. We don't know what are we. We haven't discussed Christmas movies. Should we crowd? We've got some good suggestions in our inbox. What do we got? So, what have we got? What have uh, we'll, people been saying? We'll confer. There's a lot of love for changing places. A lot of love for. Oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah. actually been 
I've been surprised at how many we've actually gotten by that. Trading I mean, places. At I least two. Meant, by the way. Uh, what did I say? Changing places. Oh, uh, trading places. What am I talking about? <laughs> I was like, what Changing the fuck? Places. Oh. Changing places. <laughs> yeah, trading places. Sorry. It's been a long week. Um, uh, the, the, the stop motion animations. Remember the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer like we would watch as a kid? People yeah. want us to cover that shit. That could be interesting. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, they're really short too, so it's easy to prep. <laughs> well, it's, it's sh- yeah. I mean, is it easy to prep? Maybe not. Sometimes they're is harder because it's, it's less to talk but about. Is it? Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll come back to you guys on that. But we'll do a couple. I think we'll probably do two, maybe three, probably two Christmas movies and then we'll take a couple of weeks break so we can spend some time with our families. You're coming um, to Australia. I'm coming to Australia. Um, so we'll, we'll probably record something while we're there. Maybe for for the new year, mm. um, but yeah, very exciting, very exciting. So happy holidays, everybody! We're well into the season now. We are. Chris, ooh, Christmas season is underway. Does Charlie Wilson have any Christmas songs? That's a good Surely. question. John Betty. Oh, is Yams like a Thanksgiving song? Like Yams is in sweet potatoes. I don't know. What does it mean? Ass. I thought it meant ass. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm too old. I can't keep up with these TikTok kids and Charlie Wilson. No. All right. Well, hey, leave us a review if you can. Also, hey, hey, we got our Spotify wrapped this year and we found out that that only like 20% of the people that listen to our podcast on Spotify are subscribing. So make sure you subscribe. Yeah. Because it helps us. Show yourself. It helps us with the algorithm. Well, until then. All right. Peace out. Peace out. All right. Can I get to the